Pod Mod Bods. Welcome to a very special experimental uh, episode of the Podular Modcast. I, uh, I've always wanted to try to do some sort of live thing, so as kind of a test run, I, uh, I asked Eli from Mystic Circuits if I could maybe help him moderate his talk that he gave at Patchworks, our local store here in Seattle, um, about his new module called Anna. And uh, yeah, he was down. So um, this this is basically a demo of that that uh, module and a couple other of his modules. And some of it was primarily video. Um, so I cut that out so you'll hear some fades and whatnot. Um, but overall, it's uh, it's pretty technical into uh, how how Anna works and his other modules. It's very um, very gear heavy. So for all you super nerds out there you're going to enjoy this. Um, it was just so cool to hang out with Eli. After our first episode we did, uh, we just kind of stayed in contact. And uh, yeah, I the day the day after he came in, I went up and picked him up from where he was staying and uh, went to Ellison, uh, who is also a past guest. Uh, Ellison runs Zorks. You've, you've probably seen me use his ribbon controllers in a lot of my videos. Um, Ellison and I do some uh, building together every once in a while and Greg Markle from Recovery Effects joins us on occasion so us four all got together and it was uh, it was pretty cool to hang out with like all these builders and I uh, I unsuccessfully <laughs> built a, a spring reverb module still troubleshooting it um, anyways it was really fun to hang out with Eli and to uh, do this live chat with him before we get into that I want to remind you guys all that we have uh modular on the spot cassettes that's right plural um i teamed up with bradley and josh from from modular on the spot seattle uh with my label self-center records and we have cassettes and digital downloads for modular on the spot volume one which features uh dark sparkler donald crunk swift tuttle horse with one leg infidel tech john l rice pulling out the light and dark side of the tomb and then the EP one, which is the second cassette, is the full uh, full performance from Donald Crunk. And then side B is uh, Swift Tuttle and Cryptomeria. Um, they tag teamed a, a live performance. Uh, Greg Markle mastered them, and it, it all sounds so good. Um, it sounds really cool on tape, especially. So if you want to get a tape or a digital copy, you can go to selfcenterrecords.bandcamp.com. And all proceeds, I don't take a cut out of it. Bradley and Josh don't take a cut of it. All of it goes to... Uh, paying for the permits and all the necessary equipment and whatnot needed to put on the modular on the spot and modular nights. Um, so yeah, if you want to help us keep this going, check this out. It's the super, super cool uh, tapes. Wow, I sounded like a super, super cool dork just now. And this super, super cool song that you hear below my ramblings is from uh, the modular on the spot volume one it is by dark sparkler aka kyle swisher and kyle and i have become friends since he was a guest on an earlier episode and uh this little rap scallion he, he really uh he, he pulled one over on me hannah my fiance and i were she she said we had to go up to holy mountain brewery to get a growler for some wedding guests that were coming in and, i mean honestly uh, in hindsight, that's kind of weird that we'd go all the way up to this specific part of town for this specific beer. But I don't know. Okay, fine. We'll do that. And uh, I walk in and I see Kyle. Oh, Kyle's here. And then I round the corner and there's Josh and Bradley from Modular on the Spot and Daniel, a.k.a. Infidel Tech. Um, and then Greg Markle shows up and then Ellison shows up and my friend David Lutz shows up and it's like he threw me a surprise little bachelor party with my my modular friends and it's i don't know it's so cool most of these people i met through the show and then through the scene uh it's just been it's been so cool and one of the things i always talk about and always hear about from other people is just how warm and welcoming the modular community is and man i got a good dose of that last night so thank you guys all if you're listening for for coming out and uh, surprising me that was that was super cool before we get into this, um, this song that you hear below is actually from Infidel Tech, also from the Modular on the Spot, Volume 1. 
Uh, Daniel gave me a ride home from the, the bachelor party last night, so thanks for that. Um, but real quick, thank you all you Patreon subscribers. If you guys would like to become a Patreon subscriber, go to uh, patreon.com forward slash podular modcast. And uh, thank you to our sponsors, Recovery Effects and AI Synthesis. Until September 30th, if you go to Recovery Effects and buy any one of their modules from their online store and enter the code PODMOD20 at checkout, you get 20% off of that order. That's pretty dang good. Um, and don't forget to check out AISynthesis.com if you're wanting to get into building modules. The kits are just... They're so fun and so easy to build because Abe just made it just as, as streamlined and easy as possible. His, his build guides are great. He's got videos. Um, and then also, I guess, kind of, today is brought to you by Patchworks and uh, Mystic Circuits. So uh, Patchworks is our local store. I love, I love them. They've been so cool for our community. It's so nice to let me try this, uh, this live experiment. And then check out... Uh, all of the Mystic Circuit stuff, the Zero HP line, we're going to talk about that. And uh, more specifically, Anna, it's, it's such a cool module. So uh, we're going to get into that in a second. But one more thing. Um, I created a Facebook group called the PodMod Patch Challenge. And I'm just going to have that an open forum for you guys to try out uh, You know, this week's patch. Um, there isn't a patch challenge in this one because we were doing a live demo so I'm going to try my own from last week, uh, what Ben did Bellicose Kitten um, so uh, that'll that'll be popping up later on and if you have your own Bellicose Kitten uh, go go check out that, that Facebook group and uh, or you know tag us on, um, on Instagram, I would love to see it. Alright, let's talk to Eli Uh, let's just officially start this shit. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, welcome you guys. Um, I actually met Eli a few months ago on this show. Yeah. So we met over something like Skype. It wasn't Skype. It was much worse than that. Okay, we could worked probably... out fine. That was fun. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so one of the cool things about doing this podcast is meeting meeting cool people and then staying in contact Aww. with them. Yeah, and so like after after we were done recorded, we we actually hung out and talked for a while and you know, check out this band and this band and then we just kind of stayed in contact. So I was really looking forward to him coming up. Um, and then I thought, hey, let's let's do this together and try a live podcast experiment. So thank yeah. you for thank you. for including me on this. Um so do you want to tell us a little bit about how you got started with Mystic Circuits? Just a really quick thing before we sure. get into it. Yeah. So I feel like I've told this story before, but <laughs> basically I went to engineering school with the intention of building synthesizers. Um, I kind of looked at my options as far as like going to a music school that would also teach some electronics. And um, it seemed like I just wasn't going to be able to really get the hardcore knowledge and math and stuff like that that they teach you in engineering school in order to make all the electronics easier. And, uh, and kind of at a certain point, I was like, well, I do want to learn more about music, but I feel like the engineering is the stuff that I will have much more difficulty teaching myself in order to kind of learn this sort of stuff because I've always been sort of naturally like creative and I would draw a lot and like playing instruments and stuff. So... Um, and the engineering, it didn't come as naturally to me. So I forced myself to do that for a while. And by the time that I got out, a lot of the um, musical instrument creators that I was really into had started making Eurorack. And it was around, I think I graduated in 2012. So that was before this. I mean, like a lot of people who have been into Eurorack since the early 2000s, late 90s are like, you know, when there were three companies, there were maybe 10 companies then. And so everybody, w it was kind of before this wave where now there's like a thousand companies or however, you know, there's a new company every week releasing something new. So um, at that point, I was like, well, maybe there's something to this because all of these people who used to make guitar pedals are now making Eurorack. Um, it seems like a good idea. And it seemed a lot easier to make at the time. 
uh, now looking back, I'm like, guitar pedals are so much easier. <laughs> but the thought of having a power supply already handled and then you just have a circuit board bolted to a piece of metal um, and you don't really have to do much else besides that, like the, the end user kind of takes care of the rest of it with a case and a power supply and all of that, that really appealed to me. So, um, yeah, that's I guess that's what got me started. And then it's all been downhill from there. <laughs> so you got you got into modular because you wanted to build stuff and you you picked yes. that avenue. And then how long into modular, like your experience with using it, did you start thinking like I want something that does this and then you're not finding it and then I'm gonna make my own? Hmm. Uh that's a good question. So before I had even uh like started with a physical Eurorack modular. I had built like three or four modular since on my computer, um, just as far as Max MSP, um, pure data programs like that would let you come up with a sort of patch that would be able to do modular synth sorts of things on it where you could have all your different modules that you'd made and interconnect them in weird ways and then maybe have them saved and recalled them and stuff like that. So by the time I had started doing stuff for Eurorack even, I had already kind of like come up with a couple of my own designs. They were very simple, but um, hmm, when was it? I guess it was the first thing I ever designed was an expander for another module, which basically would generate random sequences. But at the time, it would only generate these sequences in one time signature, which was eight or 16, but it's basically the same time signature. So I made another module which let you change the time signature of the Turing machine, is the name of the first one, and uh, you could do it with a voltage. So you would have like one bar was three, and then one bar was four, and the next was seven, and the next was 13, and it was really fun to be able to do that. It felt like your synth was kind of like on a solo, you know, like... <laughs> coming up with its own music um, in these interesting kind of jazzy ways. And uh, so I guess that's the first one where I was, I somebody mentioned that there would be a cool possibility and I was like, I bet I could build that, so. Okay, yeah. so you, you have a very clear aesthetic, obviously visually, mm -hmm. but also just kind of what your, your personality shows through your modules mm -hmm. and you kind of have, you kind of have an area of, of module that you work in <laughs> and i would consider that almost kind of like trippy i, I would call i call it maybe <laughs> trippy glitch or something sure. like that but yeah how would you describe it i think that's a pretty good <laughs> a pretty good um summary uh it's funny too because i don't really like think of a module in terms of like oh this is how i want it to sound i'm more, i'm usually starting with an idea for a circuit and then i go like Oh, that would be an interesting circuit if it, um, you know, if it computed an XOR with diode logic or something. And I have no idea what it's going to sound like usually. <laughs> like it usually starts from basic circuit building block stuff. And then I build it and it either sounds like crap and I don't <laughs> pursue it or I'll, I'll be like, oh, this is actually somewhat interesting and the idea will develop from there. So like I think that my stuff is glitchy because that's what electricity sounds like. Like if you think of what a Jacob's ladder or like a thunder or something like that, it's like the natural sound of electricity. Like when you let electrons do what they want, it doesn't, it sound like musically pleasing. So, um, wow, that was pretentious, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really, I think that I, I personally enjoy um, like atonal kind of uh, abstract sound. So I feel like I'm willing to explore that area um, more than possibly other companies who are very specifically trying to make like a synth module that you could make dance music with or a synth module that you could make classical music with or something like that. Like for me, it's more just like, let's see what this does. And uh, it ends up sounding very glitchy although that's not always my original intention okay i'm gonna sound pretentious too okay, really quick I'm gonna, I'm gonna match you um uh i i kind of frame things in a certain way because i i i studied um human evolution primate mm -hmm. evolution and when i look at your line of modules i see 
kind of an evolution of kind of something like you were saying, like you had that kind of an idea mm-hmm. and I feel like stuff like Anna, which you're introducing tonight yes. is kind of like a new species along hmm. the line of this, this, Okay, that is actually... How pretentious was that, guys? Yeah, right. Thanks for working that. <laughs> the human evolution... The evolution of modular. <laughs> Mystic Circuits brings you a whole new genus of synthesis. So um, that is actually interesting that you bring that up because I very... Like, a lot of modular... The modular market at this point is very much kind of tailored towards finding combinations of building blocks that exist already that are maybe useful in a certain musical context. So somebody will be like, I wish that I had a module with a, you know, with a bunch of VCAs that would all, you know, do this specific thing that I would find really useful for making my own music. Um, I guess that's a bad example, but I do feel like a lot of modules that come out are sort of recombinations of other. Mo- it's like a filter with a with an envelope built in or something. You know, it's a combination of building blocks that exist. Whereas what I'm trying to make is very much oriented around making new building blocks altogether. So not necessarily what's the most useful combination of circuits for making a specific kind of music, as much as like what's something that you can't do with by just combining a bunch of other modules that already exist okay so there you're right in that regard like it is like i'm not like what's the next big thing in modular synthesis but i am kind of trying to push the envelope as far as like what fundamental building blocks aren't already out there okay okay well so in to to put that into context for me with with anna i was lucky enough another really cool thing with with doing this show and meeting all these people i you sent me one to beta test. Mm-hmm. And at the time before I got it, um, I was kind of in the market for something. I just wanted something that was going to give me more interesting CV options to feed to things. Sure. Um, and then that showed up and it was pretty much exactly what I was looking for without knowing Perfect. that. That said, I couldn't tell you what it does. Yeah. <laughs> but After tonight, of, you will yeah. know it all. <laughs> that was kind of the fun of it. So, yeah, um, yeah do you want to kind of... Tell us about that, and we can get sure. into making some bleeps and blorbs with it. Uh, let's see. All right, so <laughs> I have to switch over to the camera. So while he's doing that, um, I can tell a quick joke. Did you guys hear about corduroy pillows? They're making headlines everywhere. <laughs> oh. um, I made up. I made up another one. The other. I didn't make that one up. I did. I did make one up the other day. What did the uh, what did the overzealous yoga student say to the instructor as they were trying to close up shop? Namaste. Namaste. <laughs> did I already tell you that one? Oh, you called it. Good job, Rachel. <laughs> Namaste jokes never get old. Yeah, there we go. Okay, so let me plug in something slightly less annoying and uh, we'll get something fun. Okay, so... Let's see. Oh, I unplugged that one. Of course. The logical thing to do. Alright. So, we've got a very sort of standard ring mod kind of sound for the 60s sci fi aliens speaking to you. Um, we can listen to the min and max as well. It's just sort of a different flavor. Flavor of ring modulator. You can hear that messing with the input attenuators has a pretty strong influence on the sound. The max is again a sort of similar, different flavor of a similar circuit. Then VCA, like we listened to, is the full-on ring modulator multiplier. Next, we have the uh, magnitude. Let's see. I want to make sure I'm actually showing you what's on the scope. Yes, I see the camera is... uh, All right. Exciting. 
Woo! It's like a Blair Witch in here. All right. So, the magnitude is a fun one because it will give you the difference of the two inputs. Oh, I forgot to mention something. So, when nothing is plugged into one of the channels, it just gives you a static voltage. So, hypothetically, you can have one input and six outputs, and they're all going to be completely controlled by both knobs. When you now, can I interrupt real quick? When yes, you please. do that, if you if you're just feeding one, um, you know, CV source into it, mm -hmm. um, then it just does it become like a attenuverter, attenuator? Uh, yeah. So it depends again on where you patch in. So patching into input one will make this top knob an attenuverter. Patching into some one will make it a uh, offset so for those of you who are able to see the wave is kind of bouncing up and down based on the location of the knob whereas now we're able to multiply the value of the knob real interesting stuff so um, yeah this will give you the difference between the two inputs and it always gives a positive voltage which is actually really handy for things like feedback patches and stuff like that now, if I plug in the blue wave, you'll start to see them interact with each other. And if we give it a listen, we get some sort of, okay, of course, fine. Not going to make that mistake again. We get some weird kind of like octave, um, wave foldery kind of tones. It adds a little bit of harmonics to the to the sawtooth. It's nice too because with just one input you can go from a normal sawtooth down through to a triangle wave and then to a ramp. All with one voltage. If I reduce that you can see a little bit better. It's kind of giving you bouncing off of zero and then lets you fold a sawtooth into a triangle wave, which can be quite useful. All right, let's look at step. Step is probably the hardest one to explain. Um, basically, it gives you Staircase steps. I honestly don't know how much more to explain about it, except that it's uh, based on a track and hold circuit. So it's similar to a sample and hold, like you would get in a random generator, except that sometimes with our sawtooth, we're getting the nice sawtooth slopes, and then sometimes it's just shaving off bits of it into little stair steps. So you can see we've got these sections where the saw becomes like angular almost. That's the track and hold magic going on. You can get some really strange timbres out of it, especially if you run one input into the offset. This is a really nice drone right there. And uh, yeah. That input is quite useful for, rather that output is quite useful for making random melodies and stuff like that because sometimes your voltage will just kind of stay put and uh, if you're sending that into a quantizer, it'll give you sort of portions of the wave where something interesting is happening, you have your LFO or something going straight into the quantizer and then it'll make a decision which just levels everything off and your notes will be stationary for a moment and in that way it gives you a sort of musically interesting randomness generator i guess would be the way to put it i have a question sure super noob question here okay is anna the sound source right now or are you controlling um, a vco no. and what parameter if so you are we are running two vcos in uh the main VCO is this green sawtooth and then the other VCO is the blue sawtooth which we've kind of set up to be moving against the first one but another nice thing to do is to actually just run in two inputs from the same VCO 
and then you can see that the shapes are completely stationary. However, if we listen to it, it's slightly less interesting. So it's just a static tone. And as we sort of mess with the parameters on Anna, you can see that we're getting different wave shapes that are like, you're never gonna get that from a normal oscillator. But uh, I like to use two oscillators for demos just because I find the sound to be a little bit nicer when they're kind of phasing against each other like this. It's got, it's got a lot more harmonic content that way. But yes, that's a good question. Um, two inputs, both at audio rate. Um, you can run in control voltages as well as video, and uh, it will sort of work at whatever speed you're feeding it is whatever speed you're going to be getting stuff out of Anna. So if you're feeding something in at audio rate and something in at a control voltage, all of your outputs are going to be giving you something that's at audio rate and something that's at a modulation sort of rate. So the outputs can be audio outputs yes. or CV control. Or control voltages, okay. yes. Yeah, that because exactly. that's the way I was using it, and I was like, wait, I'm doing both, and one of them's got to be wrong. But No, there's, like there's nothing wrong with <laughs> uh, putting whatever you want into Anna. Actually, it does some nice things with, um, with gates as well. We could do something like that. But let me show you the last output, and then we'll try something with a different sort of setup. So... Our last output is my favorite output, and it is called Box. Basically, Box is the loudest. It takes whatever you put in, and it turns it into a three-level square wave. So if you'll notice here, I, I completely forgot to use the one this whole time. <laughs> We've got this uh, negative portion of the wave. We have a portion that's zero and a portion that's positive. So it's not like a square wave, it's like a box wave. <laughs> so if we uh, change this, we're just running in one thing right now. It's just the sawtooth wave. If we change the parameters here, you can get all these strange uh, pulse width modulation shapes that don't really exist on normal oscillators. And you can see that we're basically pulse width modulating both sections of the wave separately, especially if I run it into the offset, we get some different behavior on each side, right? So are any of you familiar with the Livewire audio frequency generator? Yes, no, yes. All right, well, it's, one, it's a rare module that lets you do pulse width modulation on both sides of the wave separately. So you'll, as you'll, Notice here, our negative portion of the wave here is really skinny, but our positive portion is really big. And that's what gives you that kind of like really bright, sharp kind of sound to it. And then of course, if we run in an LFO, that's where all the fun starts. Do something like this. And you're getting these really nice sort of like phasing animated sorts of sounds on this what's a static input, which is just the sawtooth. Um, I could try it with a slightly different sort of input as well. Yeah. So this output is amazing for processing um, audio, like not just an oscillator, but running in like a drum loop or somebody singing or something like that it just distorts everything and it's very pleasing and uh it's nice too to have a distortion with parameters that you can modulate as well so that you're not just listening to the same sort of tone the whole time you're getting kind of like variations on your tone depending on what you're running in yeah so um yeah i guess fine <laughs> yeah let's try it with uh without audio let's try running in some lfos and see what we can what sort of thing we can get yeah when i when i first got mine the first thing i did i think was plug in two different oscillators to the inputs and then it just made like some pretty crazy awesome noises and then after i watched a couple of your videos you were making on instagram i was like oh shit he's not it's not what he's doing and then i <laughs> <laughs> then I you started, were using it wrong. Yeah, then I started uh, mixing 
mixing different, um, you know, like a, I, the Woggle Bug, I will say, works really well with it. Sure, like feeding yeah. like a cool, like a, the random stepped output into one of the inputs and then something like just a really standard Cyan LFO or something like that. Like it, it's just a really cool way to, to cross them up. And what I really liked about it was with the multitude of outputs that all are similar but different is run some of them into this kind of effect and run some of them into this kind of VCA or this, this VCA with this kind of time and this kind of envelope shape. And you can actually get like one giant, you know, kind of droning thing that just comes to life from just a few modules. It was, it was pretty fun. Okay. Thanks for helping me out here while I'm patching. Yeah. All right. So I I had more cool yoga jokes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right so let's see what we're listening to well, not much of anything maybe yeah so you can see here the skill kind of jumping around a little bit i realized that the difference between red and green is not super distinguishable yeah there we go so right now we are using the uh Anna to generate this sequence from two LFOs. So if I change the speed of one of the LFOs, you'll start to notice a corresponding increase in speed for the sequence. If I speed up both LFOs, you're getting a kind of combination of the behavior from both. So right here, we have the step output going into this quantizer. And you'll notice that sometimes, like right there, it's just staying still. But now it's starting to get this kind of violent, like back and forth action on the sound. If we make everything slower, it kind of gives you those like nice, almost scales, arpeggios or whatever um, coming through. And then a long portion of silence, which I find it's very musical in a uh, sort of random generation kind of thing. You don't want something that's just constantly spitting notes out at you or else it gets really tiring to listen to. Um, We also have the box output generating a trigger for plats. So um, whenever the two inputs have kind of reached a crossing, it'll generate a trigger and uh, tell it to make some sound for a little while and then uh, we're able to generate both the step and uh, timing, rather the pitch and the timing information from two LFOs. And of course, if we mess with the controls on Anna, we can change the behavior of the whole sequence. grab one of these other outputs and do some modulation into the oscillator as well. So I don't know if it's easy to see both of the lights, but this is sort of like one of our LFOs. This is the other one. You can see that some of the outputs will only do things sometimes, and some of them are always changing along with your inputs. Yeah, so I use Anna a lot to sort of like generate music for me. Um, I'm really interested in not just having a modular synth where I write everything out on the computer and tell it exactly what to do and it plays back the same thing every time. I like having things that are sort of almost like a science experiment where I'm setting up all of the parameters. I know more or less like the general idea of what it's gonna sound like, but I haven't made every single detail exactly what I want it to be. I give the synthesizer like a certain level of control. And Anna's pretty nice for that because I'm able to uh, just kind of mess with these knobs and things things change about it. And I'm not going like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm transposing the note. I'm going like, huh, I wonder what happens when I do this. A little solo in some other 
general direction. Is it bad that that's how I use every module? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Modular is great because there's no right or wrong way to do it unless something lights on fire. Red stripe down, guys. Exactly. Cool. Um, yeah. So, there's an Anna patch. Um, I, <laughs> what else should I show you? I guess I could show you video with Anna um, doing some video stuff. So, uh, switch over the monitor. While you're setting that up, I want to just tell a really quick full circle story. Um, so, the idea of the, doing the whole podcast came out of the British, Great British Baking Show. I was like, oh, it'd be cool to do like bake challenges, but with patches. And so that's what inspired doing this. And then fast forward, you have mutable braids, right? Well, mutable just released plats, but everybody's like, plates, plats, which is it? And I, was, I didn't know. And then three nights ago, I'm watching the Great British Baking Show and they have to make a plaited roll. And I was like, holy shit, plat just needs braids. It's just a new word for braids. So, full circle. <laughs> Thank you for that illuminating anecdote. <laughs> I feel like I understand modular synthesis much better now. <laughs> so, um, how many of you have ever messed with a video synth before? I know you have, yes? I'll... I have a quick Anna question. Sure, yeah. Uh, what's the HP value on that thing? HP, it's 6 HP. That's insane. So quite small, yes. Very small. Uh, smallest thing I've released so far, actually. Oh. Yes, for those of you who are not in the know, HP is whole position. Um, and it's how we determine the width of these modules. And for it to do everything that it does in that small of a package is super, super enticing for people like me who have 84 HP yes, racks. definitely, and, for the small... Yeah. For the small sizes, it's hard to beat. Function for size. Um, let's see. I have two or three other modules that I can show you guys. Um, I have one that makes everything sound like industrial. <laughs> and I have another which generates uh, lovely patterns. Which, which one sounds more interesting to you guys? Industrial? Yeah? From the guy in the Nine Inch Nails shirt? <laughs> All right. Well... Any any other any dis any other takers? No, yes. And any dissidents <laughs> to be silenced? Okay, let's do the industrial module. So, let's switch back to our camera. Do do do. So while you're doing that, how have you enjoyed Seattle? I love Seattle. It's so, you know, living in L.A., I miss trees <laughs> quite a bit. Um, I grew up in NorCal, and so this is much more my speed. And, uh, um, yeah, just the fact that there's an entire city that where it rains all the time and people don't just call out of work. <laughs> it's, it's pretty impressive. You guys are doing a great job here. Serious, like when it gets under, basically the threshold for heat for you guys, like, oh, it's too hot out, is like right around in SoCal where people start to complain about it being too cold. <laughs> All right, let's see if we can hear this. So, yep. All right, we've got our industrial happening. Um, this module is called Portal. Basically, Portal was another module that I made where I was like, I have no idea what this is going to sound like, but I really like the idea for this circuit, so I'm just going to go for it. Um, basically, what happens with Portal is that whenever your input reaches a certain point, it just jumps right back down to zero. It almost goes through a little portal and uh, brings everything back down to zero. And if I can show that actually on a sawtooth, it might make a little more sense. So, bear with us. Oh, yeah, actually, my triangle wave could be nice, too. So, yeah. Um, how many of you are familiar with a wave folder? Yes, wave folding? All right. So, basically, with a wave folder, when you reach a certain point, your wave starts to go in the other direction. 
take a triangle wave, fold it into a triangle that's an octave up. With a wave wrapper, you can take a sawtooth and wrap it into a saw that's an octave up. Although, of course, this is much glitchier than that. But you can hear, you've kind of got <laughs> got a sawtooth. Sounds like an angry sort of demon. Thing. Yeah, angry demon sawtooths will come out of this. All right, that's a little bit closer. So you can see it's kind of taking your sawtooth and making a bunch of little sawtooths out of it. Now, most wave folders will end around here, which is like maybe 10 harmonics being generated. The thing about Portal is that instead of working with stages, it works with feedback. So if I do this, I'm making like, like a thousand harmonics. Like if we bring this all the way lower, you'll see how many times it's wrapping that signal around. Like that's roughly the frequency of our normal signal. It just turns it into absolute garbage. Now, we have a control. Let's maybe bring it back to this triangle wave. Portal likes gradually changing signals instead of things with sharp transitions. It gets confused by that. So we have several controls. Let me actually show it on the camera here. All right, this is Portal. It's got this wonderful purple LED underneath. You'll notice that purple's kind of my thing. Um, it has this control, which controls the number of harmonics that are being made. At a certain point, it sort of gives up, like around, around there. There's this control. It's really hard to look at a screen and turn a knob. This control controls how well it works. And all the way down here, is working the worst and around like here I would say is where it actually works correctly and then uh, this can sometimes give you some nice distortion as well it basically determines how much of the wave is being wrapped on one side or another and of course for good measure we have a feedback control which adds some noise to everything some unpredictability Now, another nice thing about Portal is that it has several outputs, and uh, this output is actually quite a bit... Oh, wait. We're still listening to something else. There we go. This output is quite a bit tamer. It's called Round. The ironic thing is that Round is basically a bit crusher. Whee! All right. So, Round takes your input, and it kind of chops it into stair steps again. Oh, I'm not even, <laughs> I'm like watching the screen and turning knobs and I'm like, that's not even the module I'm using right now. So, um, this is a little louder. Round will take your signal and round it by a certain amount. So right here, we're rounding by a very small amount so you can't really hear any distortion. As we go down, you'll notice those little stair steps come in and you get this weird like high frequency distortion nice thing about it is that it's actually completely related to the frequency of the input. So this would be, in a sort of normal audio terms, a bit crusher, but it's all using completely analog circuitry, which gives you these nice, like, strange behaviors when you play with track. It can't really decide what it's doing. That's a, a nice little distortion we've got in there. Next is our spike output, and spike is the weirdest one. It gives you like a little spike every time a new wrap is made. So the more spikes that there are, the more similar it is to your original signal. 
It also is very responsive to the tracking control. So, uh, yeah, Spike is nice and annoying. So I have the same question as earlier, but with Portal instead of Anna. Mm-hmm. Sound source, is it generating the sound? Or are you controlling no, it's, a, an um, oscillator with it's it? It's processing a triangle wave. Okay. So all of that came from something that sounds like this. Or maybe it doesn't. <laughs> so yeah, all of those absolutely insane sounds were basically coming from this, like a hum. So if it can do that to a hum, imagine what it can do for your music. <laughs> or lack thereof. <laughs> yes, so that was Portal. Um, Portal does some nice things with video too, actually. Let me just show you that real quick. All right. Last week we had DivKit on, and his words were "bellicose kitten," and uh, we uh, chatted about an idea of having having all the listeners do their own versions. And uh, like I said earlier, I did make a uh, Facebook group called Pod Mod Patch Challenge. So uh, if you want to try your bellicose kitten, go post it there. I just did one, and <laughs> I got to tell you, it's uh, not my best work. But uh, working with the 15-minute clock is is tough. Being the host of the show, you'd think that's something that I maybe have done a number of times. This was my second time doing it. Um, but I see the value uh, in, in the practice and, and everything. So um, I tried to make it nice and soft and then uh, make it kind of crunch and uh, try to... I tried to make it sound like it was a, a cute little kitten that was maybe being held back by its kitten friends from trying to fight uh, a dog or something. I don't know. I don't know. But here it is <laughs> in all its glory. And uh, like I said, why don't you guys try? I would love to hear it. And tag Ben and I on uh, in uh, the Facebook group.
Well, there it was. My bellicose kitten. Uh, that's a hard drawing. After doing that patch, I kind of, uh, I, I feel a little bit for, for Ben. Um, although his is awesome, if you haven't, uh, checked that out. He actually did a video on his YouTube, uh, channel, so go check that out. Um, alright, let's, uh, let's finish this up with, with Eli. We'll, we'll hear the last bit of this, uh, this, this talk that we had, and, uh, yeah, enjoy. Let's try the wrap and see how that goes. Oh, that's weird as heck. Weird as all get out. Looks like Predator Vision. Yeah. It's the Predator Vision module. All right. Just trying to do Predator eyes. Like, can't do it. <laughs> 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 I don't... Predator ASMR would be pretty scary. Like, I am, <laughs> I am now disemboweling you from the top of a tree. <laughs> I see the IRS has got you pushing too many pencils. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well... Dylan! Sorry, <laughs> I've seen that movie too many times. <laughs> okay. Oh, I love this camera, how it, when it turns off, it says, goodbye. <laughs> yeah, see you. So um, I guess that's good enough for Portal. I can show off some of the Zero HP stuff as well. Portal is not yet released, though, Portal's correct? not yet released. I just emailed the final design to my production company who is going to be prototyping it. And so hopefully, if nobody has found some reason not to release it it will be ready in a few months so pretty excited about that one i wish i could say my production company i know right uh <laughs> 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 blowing my mind all right so <laughs> uh, so as mentioned zero hp are all these tiny modules they sit outside your synth. They don't take any space or power. And they look so cute. Look at that. They've all got a different color on the back. These are blue. This one is like a holographic pink. And um, of course, as a result, you can just kind of stick them on top of your synth and people will come over and be like, oh, wow. That's so, that's so interesting. You've got all this modular synthesis, but pretty plastic. <laughs> that's what I'm into. So um, probably our best seller would be the low-pass gate. And the reason for that is that it uses this terrible part that everybody loves called a Vactrol. And the nice thing about a Vactrol is that you can send in a gate and it kind of smooshes everything into an envelope. So if we give this a listen. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got plats going in again. Beautiful. <laughs> Basically, we have this gate coming in. And you can hear how it kind of has like a little bit of a tail as it goes down. If we were to just run that into the VCA on plats, you would be getting this really sharp transition between the sound being on and off so you would be getting clicks and all kinds of things you would want to run it into an envelope first so just in comparison i'll put it through my vca circuit so this is what it sounds like with no smoosh it's much more sterile. It's like something you'd get from a car alarm or something like that. So the LP, the main difference with the LPG and the VCA is, I mean, it's in the name, right? The low pass. So it's kind of rounding off some of the high frequencies as yes. it goes through so the LPG. The low pass gate does round off some frequencies. Um, but the Vactrol itself is what gives you the nice smoosh. And uh, we have a version of the Vactrol module that acts as a VCA, so it doesn't give you any filtering, but it still gives you the smoosh. Um, yes, the difference between that and something like the VCA 
is that while the VCA doesn't give you the nice behavior, it goes really fast. So if we were to run in another oscillator or something like that, you can get these cool amplitude modulation kinds of sounds. Whereas with something like the low pass gate, if you were to try and do something like that, it would kind of smoosh everything to be just on all the time. Um, our newest zero HP is actually an envelope. Can I just stop you really quick? Yeah, One sure. of my favorite features of these is say you're using the VCA and you're short on channels, but you want to throw a drum like a, a hi-hat into it, but you don't have anything left on your mixer. There's a, a mix-in input that will just pass the signal right through and not actually go through the, the VCA. So you, yes. can, you can do two inputs while one will be controlled by your gate and the other one will just pass right through. So it's, it's, it's a nice economical feature. It sounds simple, but it comes in quite handy to mm -hmm. have all the mix inputs on things. Um, so this is the envelope and it is our newest module and hmm, it doesn't seem to be doing much of anything oh <laughs> that's because this is down yeah so again if i was to just put a normal old gate in there you would be getting this static bouncing around the moment you put it through an envelope it gives you that lovely smoosh you know it makes everything take a little while to go down. Is that envelope going straight into the mixer, or is it going to an, a VCA? The envelope is give it going into a VCO. Okay. The envelope okay. is controlling the frequency of plats. Now, the nice thing about the envelope is that it also lets you voltage control its speed. So if I... This is really hard to do with one hand. If I uh, put in an LFO, you can hear right there, it starts to go fast again. Maybe I'll turn down the LFO. Yeah, so the decay time after the gate is going down. Wow, that's an awful sound. <laughs> the decay time after the envelope is going down um, shortens as you apply a voltage to the voltage control input. As the Zillennials say, take all my money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, another nice thing about the Zero HPs is that I'm working on a box for them. Oh, um, they're all the same size, so it makes it so I can make one box way easier to keep it cheap, even though getting a mold is usually somewhat expensive. But the idea is that you get a box and then there's a sticker for each one and that'll allow you to um, protect the top of it from the harsh elements as well as possible accidental uh, patching to the top of your module. Um, so hopefully I'm going to be getting quotes for that right around the time that Knobcon starts, and I'll be able to say whether or not it'll increase the price of the module or not. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's like a couple of modules, like for example, this one is a light sensor module. Um, so if you put that in a box, it wouldn't be very interesting. Um, there's like one or two other modules that I'm currently working on like that, that you might need access to the top of the um, the device, so I would still be making these for things like that, but in all likelihood, slowly transitioning to only using these kinds of boxes is the ideal. Um, mostly because peeling acrylic um, is a lot of work, and I always break like all of my fingernails in the process, <laughs> so um, I know that's a silly thing to complain about, but uh, I get very tired of peeling the acrylic. Uh, yeah. Sweet. Uh, hmm. I have one last module I can show. And uh, it's, it's nice. It just makes patterns. So we won't be listening to obnoxious screeching anymore. <laughs> it's just getting used to it. Yeah. Oh, and it has rainbows on it. <laughs> yeah. I know. Why didn't I start with this one? All right. So... <laughs> So tree is a sequential switch that also works as a gate sequencer. And uh, basically what that means is that you can put gates into it 
and it'll generate patterns. So if I plug into this one, we're listening to some drums in a moment. And then do some of this. Maybe change the drums a little bit. So basically what's happening here is that if I want to use tree like a normal sequencer, I can send in a clock. You can see the light tracing down like a normal sequencer would. I can plug in a gate to reset it. Uh, maybe a faster one. Yeah, so that's pretty normal. You can plug in a gate in order to change the direction. That's also pretty normal. However, the fun stuff happens when you use these gates on the bottom um, called the shift inputs. Now, you can plug a gate into here. Woo! Which one is that? Oh. Yeah, so you plug a gate into here, and basically the position will shift by one whenever the gate is high. Plug a gate into here. Position will shift by two whenever the gate is high. Holy shit. So the combination of which gates are on and off is giving you all of these different shifting patterns. And that makes it so that your general gate pattern that's happening is all depending on what you're feeding into it. So if I were to plug a gate into the clock again, you'll see that the entire pattern will rotate. So basically, wherever the clock has decided that you are in the sequence, you're shifting from that point. So it can make these really weird kind of evolving sequences that repeat themselves because they're not actually random at all. And if I were to, uh, oh, I think I know what happened. I, uh, I changed the bank that I'm in. Debbie is so confusing sometimes. Um, if I were to go here and like, change all of these, you'd be getting a completely different sequence based on whatever you're feeding into it. It sounds almost like music a little bit, you know? <laughs> We're getting into the territory. I could see that being really useful for controlling something like um, like a Basimilis Ceratops or something like sure. doing some like hi-hats that had a little more consistent bass and kick and have a little bit glitchier, like, surrounding stuff. Around. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's an interesting gate sequencer, because with a lot of gate sequencers, you're pushing buttons where you're like, I want my hi-hat to be on all the steps, and then I want my bass drum to be every four, and then I want my snare to be, you know, obviously the most boring four to the four would be like this. I want my snare to be on the off beats. So with this you can only ever have one drum activated at a time. Like, it only has one position that's ever high. So in order to get stuff where things are overlapping, you have to have, like, little sections where the gates are all moving quickly. And um, it take, it's, like, a very different way of thinking about sequencing. Like, even though you can technically get very static, um, repetitive sequences out of it, it doesn't quite lend itself to doing that. It's more about, like... Let's, again, most of my modules are like this. Let's see what happens. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's tree. And, of course, it doesn't just do gate sequencing. You could do something like uh, plug audio into here, and then it would be routed to whichever one of these outputs is on. Or you could plug eight modulation sources or eight sequences into here, and then those would be routed to this jack. So it, you could have, like, eight sequences that you wrote ahead of time, and then you're algorithmically selecting which one you're listening to. Yeah, things, things like that. It's a, it's a lovely module. It was almost ready for release at KnobCon, but there was one or two last little bugs that I wanted to iron out before pushing the, pulling, don't push a trigger, you pull a trigger before pulling the trigger on it. But you sure are pushing the envelope. Yes. I think that's gonna, I gotta figure out a video for the zero HP envelope, and I think there's gonna be something about pushing an envelope, <laughs> maybe up a hill or something like that. Yeah, so um, I think that's really all I 
have to talk about. If any of you have any more questions, I'll be up here. If you want to mess with the video synth, I'm happy to set up a patch for you um, doing things like that. And uh, yeah, thank you for your time. Thank you, Cindy and Patchworks. And thank you, Eli, for coming all the way from Southern California. We wish you well on your journeys. All right. Thanks again, Eli. That was a lot of fun. Can't wait till you come back to town again. Um, don't forget to check out Mystic Circuits. Uh, the Anna is super cool. Some other really cool stuff coming out soon. Uh, the Zero HP stuff, I swear by it. Um, also check out uh, AISynthesis.com and RecoveryEffects.com. And don't forget, enter PodMod20 at checkout at the Recovery Effects uh, online store and get 20% off any one of the modules there for sale until the end of September. So you only got a few more weeks. Get on it. Um, I'm going to go get married. Uh, I will be married by the time I record the next intro and outro of this. So signing off for the last time as a bachelor. I'm Tim Held. Thank you guys very much. <laughs>